Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 107, Flying with ALS and more, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm your host, Carl Valerian. This evening, I am joined by some really interesting aviators. You know, we like to mix it up here a little bit at the Stuck Mike Avcast. And this evening, we have two guest hosts and one of our regulars. Uh, starting first, let's say hello to Victoria Zyko. Victoria, welcome. Hello. It's great to hear your voice. And, it's been uh, a while. It has been a while. Are you with your other uh, host, co-host there? Uh, the he is. My loyal co-host, Turbo, is sitting behind my chair <laughs> waiting for uh, a perfect time to bark and interrupt me. <laughs> That's okay. We like barks, and we like airplane noise, both. And, uh, and also joining us this evening is somebody you've heard from quite a few times now on the podcast, and that is Tom Frick. Tom, welcome. Good evening. How are you? Oh, doing wonderful, wonderful. And Tom's been doing a lot of flying, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in, uh, shortly. He's got an amazing, amazing story about an individual he is actually working with. Also, this evening, we have joining us somebody you've heard from in a past episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast, somebody who's really interesting, knows a lot about instrument approaches, and is a wonderful flight instructor, and that is Russ Roslowski. Russ, Welcome. Well, thanks, Carl. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> well, and you know, it's interesting. I love reading your website. By the way, what is the, the website one more time? Uh, the, the one where I post the blogs at? Yeah, you mean? yeah. Yeah, that's CFI Russ, uh, just like it sounds, CFI Russ.blogspot.com. All right. We'll and have that and on there, I, I try to post articles about the interesting information on uh, instrument approaches and that kind of stuff that I come across in my flight training. Cool. Well, well, we'll definitely post that out there. He's got some really good stuff out there, and he's very active in the forums and has some some really cool things to talk about, has some wonderful experiences uh, lately, especially flying a certain aircraft, and we're going to get that, to that in a second. Let's do the pre-flight. But before we get started, we do have a few announcements, and the first announcement is actually from Victoria, something exciting happening in, those, in uh, December. Excuse me. Yeah, uh, as you know, I always love hosting events that teach kids about aviation. And now that we have Turbo, we like to do events that teach children about aviation as well as uh, animal rescue. So on Saturday, December 12th at Frederick Airport at the uh, AOPA National Aviation Community Center, that's a mouthful, um, Turbo, the flying dog, will be hosting an event called Paws and Planes Holiday at the Airport. And children will have a chance to play games and do activities that teach them about aviation and they actually get to meet santa claus who is going to be riding in on a red airplane awesome santa claus is coming on a red airplane that's apropos does it say (laughs) santa express or anything on the side no but i might have to do that now that i think (laughs) that (laughs) i just love seeing santa fly in uh to the small airports and and say hello to the kids like me and and, uh, you know, I actually am too big to sit on his lap. As a matter of fact, they, they don't let me do that anymore. I tried the last year, and they said, no way. you got to lose about 150 pounds. Uh, not going to get there, but uh, what's really neat about Flying Santa is that Flying Santa comes in both planes and sometimes in helicopters. I've also seen Santa actually in a hot air balloon, and that is really cool. Ah, Never seen cool. one in a glider. If anybody's seen one in a glider, I'd love to see that one. But uh, Flying Santa is one of my, my, it's one of my favorite times of year. And I love seeing flying Santas. So the, the Santa that's coming is actually the Santa that we interviewed on one of our Oshkosh episodes of Stuck oh, Mike. Oh, cool! So awesome! So we get to to see that flying Santa again. So again, it's December or December twelfth. December twelfth. And how do they find us? And on a website again? Yeah, you can find it. Um, there's an official event posted on Turbo's Facebook, which is Facebook.com/slash Turbo the Flying Dog, and then you can also find it under the Events tab at turbotheflyingdog.com. 
Awesome, awesome. Uh, I have a just a short announcement. Thanks for the announcement, uh, Vic. But uh, my announcement is next month in, let's see, well, actually, about when this comes out in November, we're recording this in October, we are coming out with our next version of the Aerospace Scholarships Guide. It's a huge update uh, to the one we had before. What's been really neat is all these people are starting to realize that we have one of the largest guides, and, and now we have organizations on board like EAA, AOPA, and the Women in Aviation that have been uh, sending us information consistently. So now we have those plus many, many more. And uh, we've changed the whole format. We've listened to the folks, and it's it's a much easier to navigate. It's also available on Amazon. So I'll just put a little link to that, and that's our announcement. The next thing, though, is, is actually it's an announcement, and it's also kind of a topic, too. So I'm going to make this announcement, but I also like to talk about it a little bit. I have, I'm like on cloud nine, as I was saying before, because I am so excited because the students at Polk State College, the flight team, they just competed in the Region 9, NIFA, the National Intercollegiate Flight Association, the Region 9 SafeCon event. It's basically the regionals here. And uh, our region uh, always usually has one of the top three in the nation that comes from this region. We compete, and this is our first, first event where we competed. And I'm the coach of the team, of the flight team there. First time ever in a regional we've competed. We compete about against some schools you may have heard of. Uh, one's called FIT. The other one's called Embry-Riddle. Another one's called Auburn University and Jacksonville University. And uh, we go against Dade, Collier County. It's And we, we go against all these different schools that are just absolutely terrific. And what's amazing is that we were able to, in our first year, without having an airplane until a one week prior to the competition, we were able to get fifth place overall, which means we won't be advancing to the nationals, but it sure is terrific to see them come out and actually be able to compete. We were only able to get six students out there to compete. Some of the larger schools, the Embry-Riddles, they had 33 students or 30 students and three airplanes, and uh, we, you know, we, were, we were up against some, some incredible odds. Now, with that said, I, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the regionals because I have a regular flying job, and wouldn't you know, I, I missed my flight to Florida, and then after that, I got on another flight on, on another airline, and that flight was two hours late, so I couldn't make it in. I so wanted to go to this because what's really special about this is when you're in the top 10. In other words, say you compete in an event, and there's various events, I should have mentioned that, where they do spot landings, uh, they drop an object. There's also ground events where we do uh, E6B computations. There's also events where they actually have to figure out what an airplane is or what type of airplane it is, but they don't show you the whole airplane. They may just show you the engine, and you have to quickly find that, figure out what that aircraft is. Really, really cool stuff. Well, this is what's been, what was really cool. In some of the events, we, some of our students, they actually placed in the top three, which is really, really cool. Like I think one of them was on a spot landing. But there's two big awards that, that we came out of there with. And, and you get a silver if you are in the, one of the top ten folks in one of these events. But we got uh, some awards, some plaques, actually, for being in the, the top three. But also, what's really, really cool is that we were able to get the award, the first award that I'm so proud of, was from the Association of uh, Test Pilots. And that organization gave us the Challenge Award. And uh, that Challenge Award uh, it basically is for innovation in, in aviation and, uh, and many other things, too. But it's just so neat. And we, got, we get to hold this trophy, this Challenge Award, uh, for the Association of Experimental Test Pilots. We get to hold this award until the next competition. And then whoever wins that gets to keep it. It's kind of like the America's Cup. You get to keep it with you. And, and just what was so neat is just being able to see the, the, the faces of the students when I came there. I came by today uh, to the college, and I spoke with them. They were, they were so excited. They, they were saying this. All the kids were saying, it's amazing what you folks have done. And you know what? We we're, we're just got started. We've only been in existence for three years, and we were actually able to place and get some awards. The other award that they, they received, which I'm really proud of, they won the Safety Award. And ExpressJet Airlines was a sponsor of this event. And we actually were able to get the Safety Award with exemplary safety, uh, both in 
our systems and in our procedures. And I think that says a lot, especially for who we went up against. There's a lot of pictures out there. There's, I'll have a link to the Polk State Flight Team's Facebook page. But I'm really, really proud of everybody and what they've done. As a coach of the team, I'm really proud of what they've done, especially without having a coach around all the time. You know, I'm, I am obviously out flying, which is kind of cool that this, you know, going forward I'll be able to spend more time with them because I'm now going to work weekends and have weekdays off. But I tell you, it is, it is the neatest thing to see people come home with a trophy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> one of the, one of the, uh, the folks there uh, had mentioned, oh, and, and the other, one of our sponsors, the person who gave us the airplane, is Jason Shepard from M0A. And hats off to Jason for allowing us to use an airplane. Got it to us a week before the competition, and we were able to actually fly in the competition. Otherwise, we, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to do that at all. We're kind of a, a, a low-budget operation right now. We're just getting started. And what the kids said is, uh, you know, the other, the, the other students there were like saying, hey, listen, are, you know, is Carl going to show up? You know, we listened to him on the podcast. Is Jason Schapper going to show up? And, and it was kind of neat. They're like, well, you know, we don't have much, much uh, money, but we do know people. And, uh, and I thought that was kind of cool. And they really, really had to work really hard just to get the money for this, this event. And uh, actually still trying to raise money for the, for the next event that they're going to do. We're actually going to be hosting the regionals next year. So that's going to be really cool. And in 2017, we're going to be hosting the nationals and Lakeland. Nationals are usually held a lot of times up in, uh, at Ohio State University. Uh, so we're going to have them right here, which is pretty cool. So that's that's in a nutshell what they've accomplished. If if nobody knows about this, this Nash NIFA, I don't know. Have any of you folks been involved with NIFA, Russ or Vic? Have you been involved? No, I've never been involved, but I'm, I do know uh, what it is. Yeah. It, it's it's a neat organization, and you know it's cool because they they really teach people about competition and winning and i'm a big believer in winning and and you know we we don't give award, awards for anything you know in a lot of competitions these days they just give away awards but you actually have to accomplish something and, and it's great because it teaches the students that in their careers especially in aviation it's extremely competitive and it teaches them to be competitive but also to be in my mind competitive with integrity which is really really important to me and i think that's the one, one of the biggest takeaways can't wait till we, we go forward with it next year. But I'd love to hear from you, the listener, uh, uh, any questions about NIFA or any experiences you've had uh, competing uh, in any of these events. I know uh, Jason Shepard was actually involved uh, with his flight team, but there's so many folks out there that have, have done this and have been involved. And uh, it's just it's exciting to see all these old uh, departments and these old flight teams like, like you know, Auburn University has incredibly uh, you know, mature flight team, and they have lots of people supporting it. And then you have the new guys on the block like us, and uh, it's it's really exciting exciting to see that to see that mix of different people. So uh, anyway, so that was my announcement. It's also uh, was was one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about because I never I've been involved in sports and in teams, and uh, first time ever I've been involved with a flight team. And what's really interesting is that. I, it's a testament to how well that they do with training at the school. You, we really didn't have any time to practice at all, uh, but most of the students did really, really well. We also learned a lot. Uh, the tricks of the trade in the competitions, you know, it's like any test. Uh, it's any competition. You have to understand what the judges are looking for. And I'm not sure we, uh, we understood that, nor did we understand how, how the certain tests were going to be administered. Well, I tell you what, it's tough, though. I mean, uh, some of these these competitions are basically math competitions, E6B, and you have to do long multiplication, division, that kind of thing. So it's it's a uh, it's a it's a heck of a competition. Anyway, so that was that was that that was a lot of fun, very exciting, and I can't wait to uh, move forward. With that also, by the way, uh, I'm going to put a link on our website at StuckMikeAvCal. It's in the top right corner. People have been asking me how they can donate. By the way, even if it's just five bucks, if it's five dollars, that pays for a gallon of gas these days. So uh, in an airplane, that is, and uh, you know that that anything anything helps us, especially at this point with being such a such a new team. So kudos off to the Polk State flight team. You guys did a great great job and I know you folks are listening right now and I can't wait to work with you in the future now entering cruise flight anyway so next uh, next topic I wanted to move on to was uh, something that you know here I am working with children excuse me I shouldn't say that young adults students etc 
And uh, Tom Frick, actually, he's he's kind of been working with somebody, you know, that as you know, not not at the end of their career, and they're they're not really getting started, but they're getting started in aviation and look looking forward to moving forward with something that actually is going to put a lot of meaning in their life and is going to give them something that they can remember for the rest of their lives. But it's somebody he's working with that uh, has a challenge, and it's both a sad story and it's an exciting story. So, Tom, if you could just tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're doing and who this special person is that you're teaching. Yeah, so uh, I was sitting around the flight school one day, and a uh, uh, customer come walking in the door, and, uh, you know, all I heard was, uh, you know, I heard them come in, and I heard them say, uh, can you teach me to fly? And I turned around, and uh, this person was sitting in a wheelchair. And uh, the flight school director looked at him and said, uh, uh, I think we can. So, you know, and then we proceeded to ask some questions, and we finally decided upon a, uh, a discovery flight for, for this individual. Um, we asked him if he could get in and out of the plane. He said he could. Um, you know, upon further review, um, this person said that um, he had been diagnosed with ALS. And, um, you know, so he had minimal use of his legs, but but he was able to stand and, and get up into the aircraft. And uh, we went for a flight, uh, a discovery flight, which uh, here on the west coast of Florida is, is uh, you know, basically a trip out over the beaches and uh, back around to the airport again. And uh, this uh, person got out and was just elated. And, um, you know, uh, elated is an understatement. I mean, he when, when he came back, because he decided at that point, yes, I want to learn how to fly and, and um, scheduled again to come back and, and take his first lesson, which he, which he's since done. And, uh, you know, when he got back, he says, man, I just couldn't, couldn't, uh, wipe the grin off my face. And, uh, you know, this, this individual started, you know, he, he was, he's going out and he's, he's doing it. He's doing ground school. He is, um, really, really going at this, uh, full bore and, um, have flown with him several times now. And it's just been, uh, been, uh, been a joy. Um, his spouse said, uh, come back to me at one point and pulled me aside and uh, she started talking a little bit about um, his doctors and, and some of the things that uh, they go in for tests and stuff like that and he gets tested on a regular basis and she said the doctor came back and, and said something to the effect of uh, um, whatever numbers they're tracking with as far as his disease is concerned um, had improved, which is odd. And, and the doctor said, well, it's not really odd. He said it, it, it's really based upon um, your attitude. Plain and simple. He said the people that have a, a really, really good attitude are the ones that seem to do, uh, to better, do better with this affliction. And, um, and he had turned himself around just with that. And, and he attributes it completely to flying. Um, you know, he's taking lessons just as anybody would. He comes out, he pre-flights the plane. He needs help with certain aspects of, of pre-flighting, uh, which his spouse helps him with, um, and, and we double-check behind him. He needs help with uh, flying the aircraft. We've uh, looked into several different agencies that um, might be able to help him with uh, different pieces of uh, how he controls an aircraft, but for right now, he's uh, just soaking it all in, and, it, and just to watch him uh, get out of the plane every time is just a joy. Gosh, that must be a heck of a challenge to to be knowing that they have that disease, and uh, it usually doesn't progress uh, except in a direction that that's not positive. But it sounds to me that you are making this huge positive impact on his life. I can imagine the feelings you have. I mean, I'm sure you have feelings of joy, but it's also mixed with feelings of sadness. I'm assuming. Um, yeah, I don't. Not really. Uh, I I like flying with. You know, I mean, I, I like flying with this person. Uh, they get up there, their their attitude is just amazing. I mean, it's, you know, when I go out and fly, when we go out and fly together, I just, I can't think that of anything in my life that is uh, that terrible anymore. You know, it's it's just, it's that inspiring. So are they, so they won't be able to get a medical, right, with the ALS? And we. We, um, you know, I, we've uh, given him direction to go look for uh, uh, an AME. Um, they haven't done so. You know, he hasn't done so to this point. That's up to him. Um, you know, obviously he wouldn't be able to solo without a medical, but, and, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens when he gets to that point. For right now, he's just, he's learning and, and he's doing it all. I've, I've seen people get into aviation before and, and just turn into overnight av geeks, um, present company included. And, and, and this man definitely fits that bill. 
<laughs> Say so, so Tom. I assume it's, uh, you're training him towards the private pilot certificate. Do you have any capability for a sport pilot? Maybe if the medical's an issue. Um, possibly. You know, and and that's kind of some of the directions that we went to. Um, we started down this road for right now. He is content just to do what he's doing. He's coming in. He's flying. And and he's just loving it. Um, sure, he's having a great time. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, so and uh, we're, we're taking it a day at a time. We'll we'll see what happens when we get further down this road. Um, how he progresses, or you know, um, how he stabilizes. What those are all considerations at this point. Well, you know, there there are some organizations out there that I you know I would highly recommend, and one that I've been involved with for years. Uh, one's called Challenge Air. I don't know if, uh, if some of our listeners have heard of this. It's challengeair.com, and it's Challenge Air for kids and friends, and it's people of all different challenges. We have events where we take people up flying, and it's it's therapy for those that actually have never normally been in an airplane. Uh, and this is their their first flight, but they have a lot of contacts uh, because a lot of the people that get involved with Challenge Air also have challenges themselves like they they might be a, a paraplegic and they're actually flying an airplane or they don't have a use of a leg etc uh... and also another person is jessica cox of course uh, that that helps with you know getting people putting people in the right direction uh... this is some an organization that i absolutely love and uh... and this is something that i would love to do here in the tampa bay area i've actually run one of their events in conroe uh, Texas, and uh, it's it's really amazing to see somebody like your student come out of that airplane and through what a lot of people consider occupational therapy, uh, be able to actually enhance their lives in so many ways that you actually, in some ways, I feel, is, are actually extending their, their life and, and, and their joy in life. And I think Tom, that's really I commend you for for doing that. That that's just just awesome. I think that that's terrific. Um, what what are some of the challenges? I'm curious uh, as far as getting. I, I know you said doing the walk around and actually flying the airplane, that type of thing. Are there any other challenges besides that, uh, as far as the book work is concerned, et cetera? No, not at all. I mean, his his book work, um, his mind's sharp as a tack. He's uh, very engaged in what's going on with uh, with the flying. Um, you know, the physical um, setbacks that he has right now is uh, the movement in his legs. So some of the rudder control things uh, are, are difficult for him to uh, completely press on, you know. So um, we kind of work around that a little bit. Um, most of the stuff he can do, it's it's the uh, limiting things about getting out of his chair during a pre-flight to, to be able to, like, you know, um, look at the fuel tanks um, to maybe get at some of the sumps. Um, um, he has a pretty high-end wheelchair where he can extend himself up and down and back and forth. He can do most everything. You know, he only needs help with very limited uh, things. And and he's right there to, to supervise and make sure it's done correctly. Um, he's already learned what he needs to do and pays very close attention to every aspect of um, flying. Well, the, you know, this ALS, uh, the Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, a lot of people may not know much about this. And, and Tom, I'm not so sure if you, you know how we can get in touch with organizations. I do know there is one, the ALS Foundation. Uh, I think it's ALSA.org uh, or something like that. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, it's ALSA.org is the website. They also have a Florida chapter. Uh, so if somebody's interested in understanding this disease and, and possibly helping uh, and finding a cure and, uh, you know, helping people that do have ALS, I think... This is a great place to look, and uh, ALSA.org, and we'll have a link to that on the website. And uh, one of the reasons that, uh, you know, I really, many reasons I wanted to bring this up today is the fact that, you know, we have to look at some of these organizations that help people, and, uh, and bringing somebody into the aviation community that has this uh, is one of our ways that we can bring awareness to this disease, and, and it's also by pointing people to those websites. So I highly, highly suggest people go out there and, and take a peek at, at ALS.org. So, Tom, that's cool. I mean, it, it, it's really neat that you're you're doing something like this. And, uh, you know, it's how many hours have you had with this individual? Oh, gosh, I think we're up to about six hours. We we just filled up his first page of his logbook on his last flight. He was quite proud of that, that he got to total up some time. Cool. cool. <laughs> For the CFIs here, I, I had a question because, 
you know, any, any disease, whether physical or mental, I was thinking people with depression or other um, physical issues, I, aviation can be such a confidence hmm. building experience. Has anyone else flown with someone with some sort of disability and seen a change in them due to being um, introduced to aviation? Gosh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that real quick, and then I'll, I'll hand it over to Russ and Tom. Obviously, Tom has, but uh, I sure have. I mean, I um, used to be part of the Deaf Pilots Association and, and taught deaf pilots how to fly. And just seeing the fact that the, the, the look on their faces when they realize that they can go out and fly an airplane and they've had this challenge in their lives, and I, it really has made that per, that individual that I specifically worked with in Texas. It it made him move forward in other avenues and other aspects of their career because you can have a career no matter what your challenge is. And and working with the people at Challenge Air, it it really does change people. Knowing, um, like some of the people I've worked with, I knew they couldn't get their license, but you know how happy they are just to have you fill out their logbook and tell them they did a great job. You're, I think, and I know, that by just doing that, by showing them that they've accomplished something, it, it really has changed their lives. And it, it's changed mine, obviously, but it's changed theirs, and, and it's really enhanced their life. So, gosh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I've seen it a few times. I, Russ, I don't know if you've had that type of experience yet. Well, certainly not to the level that uh, maybe you or Tom have, at least I should say, at least not yet. Certainly, uh, I'm sure you know, I'll get that chance, that opportunity. Uh, no, I've, I've had uh, students or I guess you know, students might be the wrong word, uh, trainees at, at all levels who have been you know, going through some kind of problems and whatever. And for some, you're absolutely right. It's just a, just a relief to get in the air, to, to see that they, they can still do it or that they let the, uh, you know, all their you know, the concerns of life and whatever they have going on at home, et cetera, just, just drift away for an hour or so and then feel refreshed and come back. And so I have no doubt in believing, like Tom was saying, that, uh, yeah, that this is fantastic for your, your, your frame of mind and uh, apparently for some of the healing process as well. Sure. But, you know, Victoria, you've, you've had experiences, I'm sure, too, um, as even as a private pilot, been able to change certain people's lives. I'm sure you've flown with people that might have challenges. Um, yes, definitely. Actually, you know, anyone can make a difference in aviation. Just, you know, taking anyone, even without a disability, they might have problems at home that you don't know about or um, been struggling with being teased at school or something. And, you know, you take a young girl or boy up for a flight and they get to hold the controls for a while and go back later and if they're teased at school or something happens they can be like well you know I flew a plane the other day what can you do you know <laughs> if I can fly a plane like there's there's no limit to what I can do and you know I think that's kind of what's great about aviation even if you're not working towards a goal even if you're not you know you can't for some reason become a sport pilot or a private pilot someday you know you know that you were up there and it was something you could do I think it's. I think you touched on something that's really important. No matter where you are in your flying experience, we're all pilots. I mean, if you're, it, you don't need a student pilot certificate to be a pilot. I mean, you're up there flying the airplane, and I've had people that couldn't get a medical that you know they were wonderful pilots because they just kept flying with me, and uh, they kept they were landing amazingly well and in just enabling people to actually feel inside that they've accomplished something like you said victoria they can go back and tell their friends hey listen you know i've i've done this and now they have some a sense of pride and and it does i think and i'm sure victoria you can justify this or, or, or touch on this is the fact that it builds our self-esteem i'm assuming too well, for sure. I mean, statistically, uh, women have lower self-esteem than a lot of men, and we tend to talk ourselves down where guys talk themselves up. So I think, at least drawing on my own experience, by becoming a pilot and being a pilot, I, I know how to talk myself up more because, you know, saying, well, I'm a pilot, that that's kind of like a booster. And, you know, if I was in the bar trying to look for a new guy and wanted a pickup line, I could be like, <laughs> well, hey, you know, I'm a pilot. And, you know, every time I say that, people are immediately like, whoa. And 
you know, to hear people impressed by something little old me has right. accomplished, it's kind of like, oh, that's, that's maybe I'm not too bad. I'm not too shit. <laughs> that's really, really cool. I, I'm glad you brought that up because especially with, with women, there's not quite as many of them uh, statistically. Obviously, there's, there's very few compared, but there's more and they're growing. And I think that they're growing because of like efforts of someone like yourself, you know, that goes out there and says, yeah, you can do that. You can do this. And, and I think like the words you used were really important. And, uh, you know, like saying that sometimes you talk yourself out of it where we talk ourselves into it. I think that's, that's terrific that you've made people aware of that and, uh, and that they can deal with that and move forward in doing something this challenging and, uh, not letting people, you know, forget the naysayers and tell them, Hey, listen, I can do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. You know, it, Victoria, I think, uh, touched on this, and, and I think we all have, that we really, as pilots in general, and I just realized there's three CFIs here. I didn't, didn't realize that before we came on, but uh, there's we're all responsible for in promoting aviation and being ambassadors of aviation and the community they're in. And I think that by doing these type of things, by introducing people that may never get their license, that we we really are promoting our society too, and when we're giving something an advocation uh, to somebody, and it it makes them and Russ he also touched on this, it it makes them enjoy life again and move away from the work environment and just clear their head and and come to an environment that's in another world, which I think is really really cool don't you think victoria you actually made a very good point about even if people aren't um entering the aviation industry but just by introducing them to it and telling them what it's like to be a part of the aviation community that they might be more open um to issues that arise due to aviation for example uh people uh, building residential neighborhoods near airports and complaining about the noise when the airport was already there. You know, neighborhoods threatening, you know, arguing at the airport and the airport might have to close someday because of these, you know, residential issues. But maybe if we as a pilot community were very open and welcoming and, you know, didn't have these huge fences and were sharing our way of life with others, maybe they wouldn't be so negative towards seeing that jet, you know, take off over their backyard. Um, I know this has nothing to do with disabilities that we were originally talking about, but just that kindness could open so many doors in aviation. And and in doing that, I think, you know, it does promote this, where, where we bring more of the society in, and obviously we're going to see more people that do have certain challenges in life come to the airport and look at the airplanes and say, God, I wish I could go, I could do that. I wish I could go in an airplane. And it's like, of course you can. And we're going to help you. We're going to do that. And, and we're going to get you involved. I mean, there's another, you know, through occupational therapy like horses. I mean, hanging around a horse barn. I, you know, lived on a horse farm for a while and I used to love to see the kids come to the fence and say, hey, I want to go for a ride in a horse. And just watching them light up when they get on that horse just like they light up when they get into the airplane. It's something that is is just like a whole nother world to them. And and anybody, I mean, my cousin who was 50 years old got on a horse for the first time was was like a little kid, screaming like a little kid. It just absolutely loved it. Uh, she won't let me take her in an airplane, though, only as, if it has, you know, a seven in the number. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 interesting, though. There's, there's so many people out there that we can touch through this, through aviation and uh, because we have such a passion for aviation and, and and that's something that I think is 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 throughout our community because you have to it's it's such a challenge uh, it's not something that you can share with just everybody you have to go to an airport and share it with people it's a it's it's a very unique community but it's something that we do need to draw a lot more people into and I think I think we're doing that I think we are so uh, so Tom before we we go off this subject is there is there anything else you want to say about about this individual or i should say about uh this certain challenge of als and if there's someone listening right now that's that has that challenge has als uh or any other similar type of challenge you know what what advice would you give to them if they were saying gee you know after hearing this i i might want to go try this i would say don't let it hinder you. I mean, it just just flat out. I watched this man walk into this flight school and asked to go fly 
and and he's doing it. And uh, I don't think there's a challenge out there. You know, I mean, if, if you can physically get into the aircraft, you can uh, experience this, I believe. And and that's the that's the gift. It's trying to find uh, a flight instructor and somebody who's you know open-minded and willing to go out and fly. And and uh, I think anybody who wants to get up in the air um, that can physically do it um, can. And and that's the gift. You know. So I would say just. Don't don't let you know. Oh, I don't think this is going to work for me. It, it could work for you, and and you don't know until you try. And that's what that's what this person did. They walked in. They said, "I want to try it." They tried it, and and they're loving it. And and it's just a just a joy to watch that individual. You know, um, you know, watch watch him beaming. Just he he leaves that flight school every time I see him, and he is just giddy, and and it's so cool to see. So if someone's listening now and they have a friend, a relative, associate that has a challenge, maybe. They can take them for a ride to the airport and say, you know, you can do this too. Uh, and just, you know, if you have any questions, ask Tom because he's been he's working with it right now. He can tell you how to how to actually work with those challenges. So I think that's really important, Tom, what you're doing. And, and I'm, I'm sure you'll field some questions if people do write in and ask about about working with those type of challenges. I'd appreciate that. That's that's terrific, Tom. Um, anyway, moving on to our next topic, uh, Russ actually has quite a few things he wants to talk about. But one in, thing in particular, which uh, I love to talk about airplanes, and uh, I like really cool airplanes and flying some really interesting ones, and ones that we don't always get to go fly in. And uh, one of them is a mall. And uh, Russ actually got to go flying in one fairly recently. And if if you remember in a past episode, I'm not sure we actually put this on and stuck Mike. It may have been actually over at uh, Sun and Fun Radio. We interviewed the uh, children of uh, mall, and uh, one of them actually on the first day they soloed soloed in 17 different, or excuse me, 13 different types of aircraft. It was amazing. The mall family are terrific, wonderful people, real grassroots aviation folks, and even though they've made this incredible product, uh, they still are very, very humble people. And one of the people that actually got to enjoy their product was Russ. Russ, tell us a little bit about what you actually got to fly in, in your experience. Yeah, that's right. I did certainly get to enjoy it. And yeah, it was, this was uh, just uh, two Saturdays ago, actually. I actually got to fly an airplane, which you know, for flight instructors, you know, yeah, you're in the airplane <laughs> a lot, but sometimes you don't actually get to fly it very much, right? So so that, so that was actually fun enough. I got to fly an airplane. <laughs> but uh, it was just at a, uh, a local fly-in, and a friend of mine had flown uh, his mall over. It's a mall M5. And uh, when I saw him pull up on that, I said, yeah, I, I got to you know, bum a ride off him. You know, I, I don't care what it takes. I got to I got to get in this thing. Uh, most of my uh, flight experience and flight instruction experience, too, is in your pretty standard uh, aircraft and your Cessnas, Pipers and uh, and, be- and beach aircraft. And, you know, they're, they're all good aircraft. You know, some are faster than others, whatever, some different performance. But, uh, you know. A mall is kind of its its own different thing, <laughs> you know. Not a real common one, not one you see on every ramp all over the place. And uh, you know, and there are, there are other airplanes that would certainly fit in that category. But uh, but today or that day, it was a mall for me, so so I had to get in it. And he said, "Oh yeah, sure, let's go, let's go up." And I got to sit in the left seat with, again, which was very exciting. So uh, he's an instructor as well, so you know, there was uh, there was no concerns there of any sort. And yeah, he took me through a little briefing about you know, you know, the cockpit and whatever. But you know, it's a pretty normal airplane as far as that goes. Uh, it was a Mall M5. Um, if anyone's familiar with that model, uh, 235 horsepower, uh, four seats. Uh, but he said they hardly ever put anybody in the back too. In fact, I think they usually have them removed for, I don't know, whatever they put in there, moose or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, so we, we, we taxied out, and I thought it would do a decent job taxiing. It would be my first time on a tailwheel for about a year, and we had a little crossman, so I thought it was okay there. And now we, we take off, and that, that, was, that was normal enough, no big problems, you know, a little forward pressure on the yoke. And, and we're climbing out, and we're climbing out what seemed like a normal speed. You know, I, I forget what it was, you know, maybe 80, 85 miles an hour or something like that. It was in mile per hour. And... But, but then I look at the uh, the VSI, and it's showing, I don't even remember, 1,500 feet a minute, 2,000 feet a minute, something, some crazy rate like that. And we, uh, we, we turn out from, the, uh, out from the runway just to go kind of towards the little practice area that we use. And, and we've been climbing for, you know, a few minutes, and this is about the point where I can usually look back over my shoulder and look back and find the airport, you know, 
a few miles away. Well, we're up at about 4,000 feet and by that time and the airport's still just about under us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was, that was pretty neat. Uh, I did some of the basic maneuvers, you know, just stalls and steep turns and yeah, it was, it was nice, but you know, not, not particularly, uh, you know, complicated or anything. It was an airplane. Well then of course, you know, it's coming. The, uh, he says, all right, Russ, let me show you something. <laughs> well, we know that, you know, something's coming there when, uh, when the other pilot says, Hey, watch this, right? Watch this. <laughs> yeah, watch this. That's right. And, uh, so he gets it down in a slow flight and, uh, and, and puts in full power and we're, we're clean configurations. So flaps are up and he's, he's got the power in and it's about full power and, you know, pretty steep, uh, you know, deck angle there, you know, look out and the wings pretty steep, but, you know, we're still doing, I don't know, 60 or something. Then he says, okay, now watch this. <laughs> and then he, he puts in the full flaps, keeps the full power. And I, we were, it felt like we were going about straight up, you know, pointing nose straight up. And, and I look at the airspeed and we're showing 40 miles an hour. We're still climbing to 1200 feet a minute. I got a picture of it. And we're just on that, that edge of a stall, but the thing is still going up and flying at 40 miles an hour and out the wing was making some crazy angle with the horizon. And it was just fantastic. Uh, wow. so, so we come back and, uh, I made a, a landing, which was not quite my best, but, uh, <laughs> we, ta we taxi off, we come back around and then, then it was other watch this moment. And he, uh, he does one of those uh, type of takeoffs that kind of like you see on the, the Valdez uh, stall competitions, or if you're familiar with the the famous picture of the the mall taken off out of the hangar door, you know, it was that kind of maneuver. And sure enough, we were in the air before the top of the runway numbers. Wow! So, <laughs> so that that was pretty impressive to me. And that one with that thing just kept climbing up and up and up and. It was it was just amazing. Uh, one of the things I really do enjoy is learning new airplanes, getting to fly all kinds of, of new airplanes. It's, it's just I find it really really interesting to see you know the different design trade offs and all that. And and certainly this mall had some design trade offs. I mean it wasn't gonna you know be the fastest cross country cruiser or anything. But but man, if you needed to get it out of you know someplace tight or you know he said they landed it on you know sandbars and that kind of stuff and gotten off of it. Wow. <laughs> it could, it could definitely do that for you. So it, it was, it was a good time. Definitely was. So, and, uh, unfortunately I only got to fly for about 30 minutes cause you know, we're just in an event and it was, you know, just here, let's go up do a few landings and a few maneuvers, but a lot of fun. So what, what, what makes it different? I mean, that, that it's able to do that. Obviously the power, uh, this also must have an interesting looking wing. Uh, yes, it has a pretty big wing on it. it. It, you know, it's got real, I guess real effective flaps and it doesn't weigh a whole lot either. And it's got, pretty big engine, 235 horsepower. And, you know, like I said, there are only two of us on board. So just a combination of everything, I think. Does it have like a, like a stole kit or something like a vortex generator? Do they come with that on there or is that standard or is it not? So slick. I, you know, I can't remember. I think it might've had vortex generators. It probably did. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, just, I, just the whole, I mean, just the huge wing, I think was one of the main things and, and pretty effective flaps on it too. They have some cool videos in YouTube like, oh, yeah. that are really awesome. Where the one where they go out of the hangar and they take off and a few hundred feet. You know what's also popular? I don't know if you ever seen is the ones on floats, uh, a mall on floats. It's pretty amazing to see yeah. that because there's there's more than enough to power to get into to most places and out really out of most places. That would be the ultimate to have a mall on floats. I think that would be really cool. You said that it was kind of it's not very heavy, is what you said, right? Um, how about maneuvering it on the ground? I mean, what was it like trying to taxi and maneuver the aircraft? I didn't notice anything uh, particularly different than any other tailwheel aircraft. And I, I'm certainly not the tailwheel master. You know, I do have, I do have my endorsement from about 20 years ago, but, but, uh, you know, it's been very sporadic throughout it, but I didn't really notice any, any big problems on handling. One thing that, that did make me laugh was it had, it had slightly oversized tires. You know, they weren't the full you know, Alaska bush, you know, tundra tires, three feet tall, that kind of thing, but had tires that were certainly bigger than, than your normal, uh, general aviation aircraft. And he had landed at one time and he, he did a wheel landing and he kind of gets the nose down and he starts, you know, starts slowing down and, and it was slowing down pretty quick. And I made the comment that, you know, I don't know if I would have been 
you know, confident enough to get on the brakes quite as hard as you did. And he looked at me and said, I haven't touched the brakes yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess those, those big fat tires in there really helped slow it down pretty quick. So as far as your experience with, with tail wheels and, uh, as far as they go, is there a big difference between this one or, and the other ones you've flown? I don't think so. No, no. I mean, it, it seemed pretty, pretty normal. I, I didn't have a real big problem controlling it, I guess. So, so I guess it was, was fairly typical. You said you got your tailwheel endorsement 20 years ago. I, uh, I just realized I don't have my tailwheel endorsement. I've flown tailwheels, but, uh, I don't even have one in my logbook and I need to get that. The, uh, you took a break, I'm assuming for a long time in tailwheels and then you started flying them again. Did it take a while to get back into the whole groove of flying a, a tail that could whip around in front of you? <laughs> well, it wasn't so much of a, I guess a break in, in flying tailwheels. It was just, I don't have a to- whole lot of total time in tailwheels period, but, uh, it's just, you know, a couple flights a year, maybe once every couple years or so, just as the opportunity presented it or you know someone showed up that i knew with the right airplane that i could you know, hop in it uh, so it's been very sporadic i guess i'd say and and there's there's always a little bit of um you know a little bit of getting getting your feet back used to uh dancing on the rudder pedals as much as they need to i, I did i think i did two landings that day and the first one well it was uh it was a little bit entertaining i'm sure if anybody's watching so, <laughs> but but by the second one you know, it went a lot better and, uh, and hopefully they, you know, weren't laughing as much, I guess, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it comes back quick. At least, at least for me, it did. Well, you know, I can always tell people to fly GA at work, you know, they usually know how to use the rudders better than most, especially on landing and tailwheel, especially, I mean, you, you really become in, in tune with what the, what you have to do with your feet. I know that, uh, Tom was actually working on his tailwheel endorsement. Tom, did you ever finish that up yet? Um, I was I was supposed to finish it up Saturday, and uh, it was a scheduling conflict, and I had to flake out. We're going to try again this coming Saturday. Okay. So hopefully by the time that this uh, actually airs, it, it should be done. So yeah, I've, I've been doing that recently here in a uh, in a Cessna 140. Oh, cool! A lot of fun there, yeah. Yeah. What what year is the Cessna 140? Do you know? Yeah, I think it's one 1950. 1950. Oh, that is yeah, so cool. It is. It's 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 an old aircraft, but it, I mean, the thing it just it runs. It purrs like a little kitten. It. it I'm I'm six foot three. It takes me a little bit to get into it. You know, I got to kind of fold myself up and stuff myself in and kind of situate. But uh, once I'm in, it's fine, and and I really really like it. You know, Tom, I don't I don't think you and I could fit in that 140. So you may not be able to do my tail well in that. Uh, we're a little bit big for that. But you know, I make you bet we could do one in the mall. You know, we could do it in the mall. We could probably do it in the 140. But I think we can only have. I figured it out. We can have a half a gallon of fuel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might not take you very far, right? Yeah, the, the uh, now I will say, Tom, you reminded me of the uh, yeah, getting in the mall was was also a little bit of an exercise. You know, I, I haven't been in a 140, but uh, yeah, the the friend I was with, he was about uh, I'm six two, and he's a he's maybe an inch or two taller than me, and yeah, he said, okay, there's no graceful way to do it, but here's how I do it, and you're just gonna have to figure out your own way. So yeah, getting in it was a little bit tricky. For the record, I'm training in a decathlon, and I have not had any issues getting in it. Getting it good, good. <laughs> but you're a little more svelte than 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 us here. <laughs> I, I, I've got to stand next to Victoria. I know why she can get in and out, and I can't. <laughs> yeah, by, I think by I'm the way, rounder the, than the she's tall. Instru- the first instructor that I had in that 140, he let me get myself in this thing, and I got all the way in, and 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 I fought and fought and fought to get into this seat. And when I finally got in, and it's got a five point harness in it, and I'm strapping myself in, and he goes, "Oh, by the way, there's a little handle here up on the dash that you can grab onto to help pull yourself in." Uh-huh. Thanks for telling me, right? Now you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vic, how how's that been going? I mean, with the the super decathlon, you said. Um, not a super D, a just decathlon. a decathlon. Um, it's I haven't been doing it very uh, actively. Just kind of when um, my friend slash flight instructor goes up in the morning and needs a buddy, I I join him. And um, the last time we did it was probably a month ago, and we did about seven landings and. Um, by the last one, he didn't need to help me at all. So, you know, I think it's something that come spring, I'll seriously, you know, go to the airport, you know, a few times a week and get her done. Awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to get mine done too. And I've been, been working on that. It's, uh, 
gets a little expensive after a while, this whole GA thing. You know, I'm, I'm so used to getting paid to fly, and so do the other instructors here. But it's it's actually so neat to go out and uh, and actually fly something, a very a classic like that, and, and use your feet, etc. So uh, I'd like to hear back from both Victoria and also Tom when they do finish up their, their tailwheel endorsement. Well, Rush, you know, uh, talking about instructing, uh, you haven't, I don't know how long you've been instructing, but uh, I remember you told me something not long ago that kind of rings in my head because Tom's a fairly new instructor and there's other instructors that listen. You said something about, for the first time, maybe having uh, too much flying, possibly? <laughs> did, I, did I say that? Yeah, yeah. you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> But what? So, so you you actually are at a point where you actually have, and you do this part time, and you have so many students now uh, that you're pretty darn busy, and that's yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's been yeah, it's it's both good and bad, of course. I mean, this last month has been has been really pretty busy, and uh, fortunately, I did just have a, a student pass his check right yesterday, which is uh, congratulations uh, to Paul, and uh, but. It, it's been really busy, and like you said, I'm, I'm part time, so I do have a you know, full time day job, and I'm instructing at nights and weekends. And the amount of demand I've seen lately for uh, you know for new pilots or for pilots upgrading you know to an instrument rating or, or trying to get you know, buying a new aircraft and getting a checkout or you know all those kinds of things, the demand for it has just been really amazing. I mean, more than than I've seen in the past. So. Uh, at least out here it has been. <laughs> I don't know what it's like in other parts of the country, but uh, but here in Oklahoma it's been it's been crazy. I, I I literally have had to turn some people away because I just don't have the time. Wow. And and you know, I, I do like to see my family too, so you know so uh, you know I gotta gotta factor that in as well. Well, that's that's good to hear. And uh, you know you're in a bigger city, uh, so that helps too. Uh, Tom is also in a fairly big city. Tom, and, and what's your experience been lately? Have you been getting a lot of students? I have it. it it's been it's been getting better. Um, you know, the, the um, the more people we, we get, a lot of people that'll that'll come in and check. I've done several discovery flights. Um, lots of people getting renewed. So I've done a few uh, biannual flight reviews already. Um, you know, and and like uh, you know, like you're saying, getting um, you know, people just wanting to get checked out and get current again. And it seems like people are really interested. And, and the weather's been getting nicer down here, too. So that's, this is the time of year where it really starts picking up. Well, that's, a, that's awesome to hear. And that's uh, something that I, I think that's happening nationwide is more people are getting into aviation. I think, too, that there's been some efforts uh, about you know showing people that you can get into aviation. It's not that expensive. And there's ways to make it cheaper by getting involved in clubs and those type of things. I think AOPA is doing a wonderful job. Jamie Beckett's doing an awesome job with AOPA and, and in moving towards those clubs and sharing expenses, etc. Open Airplane, I think, is awesome. And, and obviously, we're going to have both of those folks on the show in the future because what they're doing is just, just really, really neat with aviation. Sharing the expenses, I think, is really important. I know that uh, I'm, I'm finding that I'm doing that now is trying to jump in with a you know a partner and go fly and, and sharing the expenses uh, but it uh, it's also you know I'm finding that actually ownership isn't that expensive and, and clubs aren't that expensive. I went out and rented a plane the other day with uh, actually with you Tom and I was I was a bit surprised at at the cost because you've got to remember I haven't been renting airplanes from an FBO in quite some time, uh, many many years, and it, it was it was sticker shock at first. Uh, I so, wish I had a camera. Your face was priceless. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> oh my god! It, it was. It was. It was a bit of a shock at first. I thought they had the bill wrong, but I looked at. It, I was like, wow. Yeah, I guess that is the cost. You know, now I'm I'm starting to feel it. You know, which was good experience to actually have to go out and pay for a for a flight, you know, renting it from an FBO with a flight instructor, which I thought was was really cool to to get that experience, but. Uh, but anyway, the um, that's that's something for a whole other episode is trying to get people back into aviation. Hey, you know one thing that I just realized is we're we're kind of going up on our hour mark here, and I know Russ, we we brought you on and we wanted to talk about quite a few other things. Uh, and Russ has a lot of really good topics, and we like to to plug him into the to the podcast more. So love to have you back again, Russ, if we could. Oh yeah, that'd be great anytime. Awesome. Yeah. 
Yes. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> it's 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 so much fun having everybody on. I'd like to get some feedback from you, the listener, as far as what you feel uh, about having all these different uh, guest hosts on. I think it's been terrific. It's been been wonderful to to keep things uh, you know different and and alive. And you know, I wish all the other hosts could have been on this evening, but hey, this is this is how it works. And uh, and we really do miss having you know the the rest of them on tonight, but. We've had a lot of fun, that's for sure, guys. Our picks of the week. Uh, but what this does is this puts us at the point where we actually have to go into our picks of the week. And uh, who wants to go first? Let's see. Tom Frick had a really cool pick of the week, I think it was. So, Tom, I'm going to let you go first. I I did? Okay. Actually, I, I do have a pick of the week. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, it, 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 um, I, I, was, I was looking around, you know, I... It, I know that as aviators, we all become like, you know, um, we should be becoming real serious weather geeks, you know, and, and I could just like go out and say, go out to aviationweather.gov and, and put that as a pick of the week and it covers so much. But I wanted to drill down into it a little bit. And I actually found something on there. And it's uh, it, the, the, uh, the site is uh, aviationweather.gov slash TAF slash board. And, and what this board is, is um, it's, an, it's experimental as far as aviation weather is concerned. But you can basically put in there in the top, when you, when you bring it up the first time, it defaults to at top, which basically gives you all of the major airports in the country. But you can type in um, uh, airport codes, you know, with just a space in between, all within your area and stuff. And you can look at it in either a condensed or an expanded version. But what it does is it gives you the next... 12 hours of TAFs all um, in a uh, chart type format with a, with a legend right down behind it. So it's really great for um, flight planning, you know, in the near future and just kind of looking what's going on in your area. I keep mine set up with all of the different, because uh, it, it'll remember what you put in there. So I keep mine set up with all the uh, local airports um, here on the west coast of Florida. It gives me a pretty good overview, you know, just one, one of the places that I stop when I'm, when I'm doing flight planning for the day and, and uh, trying to figure out what the weather's doing. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever mentioned it before, but uh, I kind of like, love this thing. Um, I got a couple other weather things that I'll save for future dates, but this is the one that I want to tout for today. And uh, what was that link one more time? It is aviationweather.gov slash TAF, T-A-F slash board, B-O-A-R-D. Cool, cool. We'll have to, and we'll put that in the show notes, by the way, for episode 107. Uh, I'll definitely, I'm going to have to start using that one. That sounds really, really cool. Um, let's see, Victoria, you had an interesting pick of the week also. What is your pick of the week? Yeah, um, actually, it's. I found out about this museum when I was at Oshkosh. Um, just walked by them, and it was the Wasp Museum, and I didn't know anything uh, like that existed. So if you don't know what the Wasp are, they are the um, Women Air Force Service Pilots, and uh, Sweetwater, Texas has a museum dedicated to them. And um, I've been lucky enough to talk to some of the, the people who work there. I haven't visited it yet, um, but I definitely hope to make it out to Texas someday and think it's just a, a great um, bunch of women pilots that really need to be um, honored and remembered. So I was so happy to hear there was a museum all about them. Cool, and that's in Sweetwater, Texas. I think that's actually home to the yeah. Rattlesnake Roundup. And uh, <laughs> that's another interesting event all year. But the, the wasmuseum.org is actually the website where you can find that. And I'm glad you said that. It's the Women Air Force Service Pilots. Um, it's not the Women uh, Air Service Pilots. It's because uh, I was corrected uh, earlier in, <laughs> in an interview, if you remember, at Sun and Fun. They are just a, a wonderful bunch of people. And uh, this museum, I think, does a great tribute. And they do have, I think, like a an open house or something every year. I'm trying to remember what it is. but it's Actually, I'm on their website, and it looks like they have a walk, the fifth annual Run for the Wasp um, coming up on uh, Veterans Day. Oh, yeah. Uh, 5K run, and then there's a 1.3-mile walk run for the kids. So um, it sounds like they got some fun activities that they do as well. Cool. Yeah, that's it. Let's go to go to wasmuseum.org. It's the fifth annual run for the wasps, and that's on November 14th, and you can actually register for that. Uh, I think the other thing that they do is some kind of a, that's it, the, it's, there's like a homecoming they had, which was pretty awesome. Uh, that was a great event where they had all these these wasps come in, and uh, I think they had like 20-something people there. It was pretty pretty darn cool to see all those folks there. Awesome. Ladies and ladies. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And uh, 
what, a, what an amazing tribute they they did to our society and and uh, and to aviation and my hats are, are off to them they finally got the recognition that they deserve uh, thanks for that Victoria uh, our next uh, pick of the week is uh, actually I'll do the next pick of the week here and uh, let Russ finish it out the my pick of the week actually is a book and it was written by Owen Zub. If you remember, Owen Zub was on the Stuck Mike Avcast, and he's a terrific individual, real humble individual, somebody that I really admire uh, because he really has this passion for aviation and an incredible relationship with aviation that ties into his personal life. And he's able to actually bring that forth in his writing. And he has a book called Solo Flight. I just finished it, actually, this morning. And it was one of those books that I couldn't put down because it touches on all those things that I feel are so amazing in aviation. He brings us into this small aircraft, a Jabiru, which is actually built there in Australia. He flies all the way around Australia in this aircraft, but he does it to actually help with the the Royal Air Force, or excuse me, the the um, doctor's service and uh, he's trying to raise money but uh, he he doesn't he's not just doing that he's not doing it for the recognition he's doing it also for himself this is a journey into the skies and he's able to bring us into the airplane so if you've ever dreamed of flying a small airplane this would be the book to read but if you also ever want to listen to a story of the legacy of a pilot which has been transferred to the child who's then I feel has has really made his father proud and that would be Owens Up in Solo Flight. Owens Up's father was actually an incredible pilot uh, actually during the Korean War and uh, just some amazing stories he has about his father but it's it's almost as if his father is with him during this journey and for any of us that have you know, lost a you know a parent or a close relative or friend, uh, you actually can feel that connection through the airplane, through the flight, and through his story. And uh, I think that any of his writing is is terrific. But this one really resonates with us, those of us that love general aviation and smaller airplanes. He's an airline pilot, and it's really cool to see him fall in love with this small plane and his travels and uh, and the challenges. Of those challenge of those travels and his flying over the water in the islands and seeing those wonderful beautiful sights in Australia. One of these days, one of these days, I would love to get down there and uh, and actually check out Australia. I think sooner than later, because it's just one of these communities of aviators that are very passionate in general. The people that are involved in general aviation in Australia and Owens Up is truly one of their ambassadors and is a great example of a true aviator and a wonderful person. So Solo Flight, I think you should read it. Anybody should read it who wants to maybe have a, a little bit of Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer in them and want to see an adventure, but also you know want to get deeper into the the life of somebody that's been inspired by their parent. And I think this, this truly comes out in that book. So again, that's Owens Up Solo Flight. Well, our last pick of the week is from Russ. Russ, what do you have for us? Yeah, this is a really neat thing that uh, it, it's been going around the internet for about about two months now. I think that's uh, when I first came across it, and it is a basically a do-it-yourself uh, ADSB in receiver. Uh, that's well, when I give you the name of it, you'll know what product it's exactly like. It's called the Stratux, S T R A T U X, and uh, so you can you can figure out what it's trying to simulate. But <laughs> this is a uh, this is a do-it-yourself uh, type of thing. It's been uh, like I said, it's been all over the, the web forums and the internet. Um, it functions just, for the most part, just like any of the uh, commercial products that you can you know, buy for eight or $900. But you buy a few pieces off Amazon, you plug them together and download some software that's all public domain. And for about $120, you have an ADSB in receiver. So I was pretty excited when I first saw this come out and I, I ordered the parts. There's a parts list on the internet that says order these three things from Amazon and uh, and once you get it, hook them together. Um, actually, my eight-year-old daughter did it for me. So, <laughs> so it's really very simple. It took her about 20 minutes total. Uh, we put the software on. We followed the directions just like it said and 
turn it on and next flight will flight test. And I was getting uh, weather and, and traffic information. So it is, it, it's simply amazing. It was just a, a, I guess a computer programmer type that, uh, that was kind of playing around with the Raspberry Pi uh, computer. I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but it's basically a little tiny computer. It's about the size of a deck of cards. And he found out you know, a way to program that, and you hook a couple things up to it, and one of them's an antenna, and you go. Uh, now, this is, like I said, it performs really well. It's had some you know, kind of growing pains, I guess. It is all open source, so uh, you know, if, if this guy decides that he's tired of programming the thing, well, you know, there are no more upgrades, I guess, but, uh, but so far it's been really good. Uh, Tech support has been all just through the, the Reddit community, the reddit.com uh, website community there. And uh, if you keep with the basic, uh, the basic package, it's, it's very simple and very user-friendly and very easy plug-and-play. Uh, people are looking at trying to add uh, the whole GPS and uh, AHARS functionality to it with some, uh, some additional parts. That portion has not been quite as plug and play as the rest of it. So there's a lot of tinkering it looks like involved with that. But, uh, but for most part, yeah, $120, 20 minutes of my time, ADSB receiver, weather and traffic. I, I you can't beat it. Wow. That's yeah. cheap. Just a little yeah. bit of work and uh, you could have yeah. your We've daughter been looking do it. At doing that. Yeah. yeah fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I've been around for about two months and taking on numerous flights and, uh, stable works, uh, connects to the, the uh, tablets and the the EFB software just fine. Well, Victoria, you know uh, Russ's daughter will put it together for you if you yeah. like. Oh, yeah, nice. send it all <laughs> that way. <Yeah. laughs> well, thanks, Russ. I appreciate that. That's awesome. The uh, it's really cool to hear about these these innovative techniques to to get advanced technology into our airplanes, and that's. That's pretty inexpensive. Uh, that's that's pretty neat. Uh, but uh, and Russ, again, thanks for coming on. We'd love to have you on again because there's so many more things that you can bring uh, to the podcast. <laughs> so we'll definitely definitely have you on again in the future. And and Tom, you know, thanks again for for coming back and joining us. No, and, thanks for having me. And of course, Victoria, it's been lovely having you here. I uh, we we always love to hear from Victoria. I know uh, you've been <laughs> out busy. You've been so, you had like the busiest person there in aviation. You've gotten so busy with with the book tour. And uh, and also, you know, with Turbo, the flying dog, and uh, I just think it's neat that that you're moving forward with that series because uh, you know I always I can't wait till the next book comes out so I can read it. To be honest, I'll with you. tell you a secret. Uh-huh. I do not know how to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good though. It's something, but you're passionate about it. I think that's awesome that that you're involved in something that that you really love to do and. And uh, in many different aspects of your life, you know, and helping out the, you know, rescue animals and uh, and helping awareness in, in that aspect and also with aviation. So I think mm. that's pretty cool. Hats off to you. Well, folks, if you enjoyed this podcast, let me uh, ask you, or I'd like to ask you to do one thing for us. Go to iTunes and uh, rate us. Give us a five-star rating if you like us, and I'd really appreciate that. It helps people find the podcast. This is uh, one of the... the <laughs> Most fun events I have during the week is be able to talk to you about aviation because it's uh, passionate aviators like you that keep us going. And I hope that from all the things that we talked about today, maybe we'll inspire you to go out and, and do something. You know, do something uh, with somebody who's a friend or somebody who has a challenge. Get them out to the airport and uh, commit some aviation and uh, show somebody uh, what it's like to be involved in a community that is truly passionate about what they do. And it can help you grow both internally and externally. Well, folks, I really appreciate you listening. And uh, if you can, again, go out and review us on iTunes. We'll talk to you next episode. And gosh, you know, safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.